today, yeah, give it up for those guys. <laughs> so today, I want to talk to you guys about your God-given destiny, okay? And how uh, your God-given destiny is going to be a route and places that God wants to take you. But how many of y'all know there's a journey between that? You know, for instance, when you think about, uh, I've never experienced this, but I've heard a lot of kids and parents talk about it, okay? People will go to Disney World, not flying, but they would drive. Typically, it's like a 20 to 22-hour drive from here to Florida. And they're pumped up, and they're excited, and they're like, we're going to Disney World, you know? And I would even see sometimes these little things on Facebook saying, we're on our way to Disney World. And like 10 hours later, are we there yet? You know, and if it's, are we there yet? And this is getting hard. You know, we think about the destination, but we don't really think about the journey. Okay? I, many times when uh, we would go to Tulsa, Oklahoma to visit some, some friends or even family in Oklahoma City, uh, it's a 14, 15 hour drive. And my kids are like, yeah, let's go, let's do it. You know, and like we're in Ben Harbor and, or St. Joseph area. Are we there yet? No. We're not, this is taking forever. You know, we, we hear that. There's a journey to get to your destination. You, knew, you know that, right? There's a journey to get to your destination. And we don't tend to think about that when we plan the whole scheme out. We're just thinking the destination, right? And then, uh, I, okay, maybe it's just me, but I'm like seven hours in. I'm like, what were we thinking? Why are we going? Like, what's the purpose? Like, <laughs> there's a journey to every destination. But you know what rises up in those journeys? Opportunities to give up. Seriously, opportunities to give up. You know, again, it, it, there are times where I just wanted to turn around and say, I'm done. <laughs> I don't want to go anymore. I want to be back where it's at. But when you get to that destination, how fun, how amazing, how breathtaking. You're like, we made it. And then we are exhausted and tired, but we're like, whoo, fresh air. You're kissing the ground. We made it to our destination. You know, those, those people that I had talked about that go to, from like Michigan to Florida, and when they make it and they see the big castle and the whole deal, like it's just like, it was all worth it. It was worth it. And then they have to drive back. No, I'm just joking. So, <laughs> but it was all worth it. Okay? But how many times did they probably feel like giving up in that journey? You know, there's no difference with your life with Jesus. Did you know that? There's no difference with your life. When you have Jesus, because God has given you a, a destination. Uh, he wants to take you places in your life to grow you and to grow people, being influenced to others. But there's a journey when we go for it. You know, a lot of people, you know, will talk to me, friends. This is more of, of like those that are just really blunt with me and just don't just kind of don't have a filter. They'll say stuff like, what do you do in the office? Just read your Bible. Do nothing. <laughs> No, man, I just like, I mean, I read, I read my Bible, don't get me wrong, I read my Bible, but it's not, that's not the definition of what we do, how, how, how did, you made it, I remember one time someone said, you made it, made it where, you are leading a church, no, that's just a part of my journey, you see what I'm saying, but sometimes we portray these things of, of well, this is what it's about, just getting there. But God's saying, I want to take a journey with you. You'll get to places, but there's going to be a journey you're going to go on, whether financially, whether marriage and relationships with family members, whether jobs, opportunities, a church life, serving the community. 
There's a journey God wants to take you, but you have to have an understanding that there are going to be opportunities to give up. And God's saying, don't give up. Don't give up. You know, those times when we were driving to Tulsa and we're trying to get to the family, we would hit the Oklahoma border, and that means we're about an hour and a half away from where we're, our destination. And we, when we would hit Oklahoma, yeah, we're there. But we still had like an hour and a half left. And I'm telling you, we're, <laughs> we're almost there. And we're accelerating a little bit. My wife's like, slow down. We'll get there. Don't worry. But you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so bad, I want to say, let's just stop. Let me, there's a hotel coming up. But we're like one hour away. We want to just give up. And there are moments in people's lives where we go through these situations. We, we're, we're walking this thing out. We're, we're doing things, and things get a little difficult. It's getting hard. But God says that creates perseverance. That creates, that builds on your faith. Just don't give up. But this job is so hard, and just don't give up. But these people that I work with, there's someone I'm working on right now, and I need you. Don't give up. God, I'm just tired. Don't give up. Because you have a, de- a God-given destiny, and God wants to give that to you and wants you to take, he wants to take you to places you can never imagine. You know, when you go to the Bible, you have all from beginning to the end, from table of contents all the way to the maps, all of that Bible right there. Okay, from cover to cover, there are God-given stories and and God-given people that we can learn so much from. Take these principles and apply them in our life. But let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is the perfect model of how we should live and journey when we face issues in our lives because he wants us to get to the other side. He's experienced what we've experienced. He is developing us through that process. Some of y'all know last year I had the privilege to, and I say that, I emphasize that, I had the privilege to coach a third and fourth grade um, a running, boys running team, you know, and I kind of told you the story of they recruited me, they needed the help, and I was not for this whole thing because I'm just not a runner, which now I'm going to speak in faith, I am a runner, I'm going to do it, <laughs> yeah, I will do it, starting today, I promise, <laughs> but here's the thing. I, you know, I, I joined this, this team, and it was Total Trek Quest. We called it TTQ. And all it was was just a boys running team after school. Um, and the ultimate deal at the end of the season was uh, we would run a 5K. Now, I did it twice last year. Um, and last spring, they actually, uh, we ran the, the Tulip Time 5K, uh, which was a huge deal. Okay? But let me tell you something. Prior to that big run, there was a lot of practices. You know, I remember the first practices, first couple of practices, we ran five minutes, okay? And then as we developed our muscles and our legs and our our conditioning in our body, we would run 10 minutes. We would run 15 minutes. The days and weeks would go by, and we were building up. Then, like, the last week or two, we would practice 5K. We would have practice 5K. And what that meant was we would start getting time because we were getting ready for the real deal. And before you knew it, we would run the 5K and we would have a blast. And let me tell you something. At the end of that 5K run, when we finally finished the season, the boys were like, yeah, we did it. We finished the season. But here's the thing. They had to develop to get to that point. 
They had to develop their muscles. They had to endure certain weather conditions. Again, last year's fall was cold. And I'm thinking, yep, they're canceling it. It's done. No. Just put a sweater on. You'll be fine. And I'm like, what? They gave us a little scarf thing to put over our face. And I remember seeing my uncle, and I'm like, yeah, he's supporting me. That's awesome. He's coming. He's like, I'm going home, man. He was gone. He was out. (laughs) I'm not staying. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) My wife endured it. She had a sign, go, Joshua, go, Jesse. My full family endured it, but my uncle left. That's okay. That's okay. But here's the thing. We had to develop ourselves to get to that point. We We didn't just jump right into it. We, if we jump into it, we can possibly hurt ourselves that way. There had to be this development that had to go on. And let me tell you something. A lot of times these boys wanted to quit and say, I don't want to do this. In the middle of practice, I want to go home. I'm done. I wanted to go home. I was done. But I had to persevere. I had to keep pushing it and train my body because I kept thinking about that end goal when we finally finish and how good it's going to feel. But I had to develop And what kept those kids going is when I would remind them the feeling at the end, when I would remind them that the parents and everyone is going to be cheering them on. And what happened was their passion and enthusiasm was starting to uh, rekindle in a sense. And when it was rekindling, they would push it. And I, and I remember going down the stretch, and we're like, we see the finish line. And for some reason, as they were dragging, once they saw the finish line, they just booked it. And they gave it all they got because of the passion and the enthusiasm that they had. They kept that, and that's what kept them going. Did you know that Jesus did the same thing when he walked this earth? You know, so many times we think of Jesus, we think of this mild and this meek and this calm guy that walks around and just, you know, just and heals people. And he was character wise but Jesus had passion Jesus was enthusiastic I'm pretty sure Jesus was loud he was loud you know why because there's a part in the Bible I'm about to read to you guys and I'm gonna read it slowly because sometimes we don't see Jesus this way but I'm gonna show you Jesus okay and I mean you go you go in the book of John chapter 2 and this is right before Jesus performs his first miracle at a wedding banquet He performs his first miracle, and then him and the disciples go on and and, and go to Capernaum is what the Bible says. And when they go to this place, they're going to the temple to go worship their heavenly father. And the first thing Jesus sees is a bunch of people changing the temple into a marketplace. Because how many of y'all know when you gather to worship a heavenly father, it's you giving all to him. But when you switch it to a marketplace like they did and they were selling things, it was them gaining from the people for themselves. And that was not flying well with Jesus. Check this out. Uh, verse uh, John 2, four, uh, 14 through 16, it says, In the temple area, he, Jesus, saw merchants selling cattle, selling sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Man, these people are hustling right now. They're doing things to gain for themselves. And Jesus is just witnessing this whole thing. Verse 15. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them out of, all, out of the temple. Let's pause for a second. Jesus sees this happening. And he knows it's wrong. Okay? Jesus didn't walk out up to them in a mild and meek way and just started, you know, rebuking these guys, saying, what you're doing is wrong. No, the Bible says first he set aside, grab me some rope. You know 
he grabbed some rope. Because this is he grabbed some rope and he made a whip. When you make something, it takes time. You're meditating on that thing. I'm about to, oh, you don't understand. Uh, yeah. This one's for you. <laughs> Think about it for a second. Jesus, had a, Jesus made a whip. He had to be meditating on something, knowing what this thing's about. He made a purpose for this rope. And it says then he came and he, and he drove them all out. He, and then later on, let's, let's continue reading. It says he drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered them. Man, he must have been whipping those, the, the tails of those animals. And then it says this. He scattered the money changers' coins over the floor and turned over tables. You're turning tables? Come on. If you're turning tables, there's passion. There's enthusiasm. You're not flipping a table and making sure you don't break a leg and then put it upside down. You're flipping that baby over. Am I drawing a picture for you guys? <laughs> is that meek and mild or is that passion and enthusiasm? Okay, continuing on verse 16. Then going over to the people who sold doves. I mean, okay, if I was that person, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I just, after what I just witnessed, he's coming to us, guys. He's coming to us. It says this. He told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Stop turning my father's house into yourself uh, unrighteous gain. Because God didn't build this for you. God built this for everyone in his kingdom. This is not for you selfishly, but it's for all mankind that need him. He rebuked them in a sense. In other words, he told them what they were doing was wrong. Passion and enthusiasm drove Jesus to speak truth. And I think a lot of times, as believers of Jesus Christ, as someone says, I love Jesus, we need to have more passion, we need to have more enthusiasm about what we do and how we journey in life. Because God needs that in our life. Now, people would debate and argue about this one scripture. This is what they would say. Well, that was just righteous anger, okay? That was just righteous anger. And okay, I agree with you on that. God, Jesus was, was mad about something right, but here's what the, the whole principle behind this whole thing is. He had passion about something, and that was the kingdom. He, had, he was enthusiastic about what he had to do here on earth, and he wasn't going to let people just step all over that. And he did it with love and with kindness, with all his heart. But let me tell you something. His heart was burning for the kingdom, and he knew these people won't get it unless I say something about it. We need to not be so passive when it comes to the word of God. We need to not be so compromising when it comes to the word of God. God is looking for men and women, children and all to speak truth when need be. To speak truth and not worry about what people think about what you're saying. Because what happens is when we keep our mouth shut and we let the passion just stay within us and enthusiasm stay within us, what tends to happen is we start forming into a culture. And let me tell you something, this culture right now is not good. The way, the way people move or, 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 or how, how this world is very hostile to God, that is not a good thing. And God's saying, I need you to step out and show your passion for me. I will lead you to places. Now, I'm not saying go home into your in-laws and flip a table over because you don't like their cooking or something. I'm not saying that. I am not saying that. you got to hear me right now, okay? But what I am saying is get to the point where it stirs you up inside to not keep quiet anymore. However that looks, however that looks, 
You know, for four and a half years, I use this illustration a lot, but that's because there was so much life and teachings that I gave me. For four and a half years, I worked at a factory called Gentex. And the very first, it wasn't even my first day. It was my, my uh, they called it assessment. So they had to make sure I could lift and, you know, do things. And the very first day, I didn't even say a word. No one knows I'm a believer. I'm just doing my job. And he, the guy says, and I want no one to bring this Jesus stuff up in here. Just like that. Can I tell you what, I, what the first thing that came to my mind was? Then I'm not working here. I quit. I'm done. I didn't even start. That was the first thought that came to, my, to me was then I quit. I won't work here. I can't talk about Jesus. Jesus, I love you too much. I'm not going to do that. But then the word rose up, and he reminded me, I'm going to take you to dark places where they need light. Don't worry about the threats of people and their words. Because when Daniel was in the lion's den and the mouths of lions were open and ready to devour, God closed them. God closed those lions' mouths. And I said, God, if you can do that to a lion, you can do that to anybody, so I'm going to move forward. And I took that step, and I had a journey of four and a half years. Now, I did my job, okay, I, I, and I was faithful to it, but there were many, many opportunities for me to say, uh, um, to speak Jesus to somebody. I was able to lead people to, uh, that were on the line to Jesus Christ. They started leading people to Jesus Christ. Their influence was being an impact, and I thank God that I did not quit. But let me tell you something. How many times did I have opportunities to quit? A lot. Especially when it was 10 hours. I had to wake up 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> I quit. I'm done. <laughs> You're going to gain opportunities to quit. But God is saying, let your passion, let your fire, let your enthusiasm keep you going. And remember my word. Jesus showed us and demonstrated that he is a God that is not just meek and mild, but he's a God who can run with passion and speaks truth, and he wants you to do the same thing because there's a God-given calling you have in your life. When you go to the Old Testament, you think about Moses. Now, Moses is well known for the Ten Commandments. Moses is well known for delivering all God's people out of Egypt to freedom. That's what we know Moses, okay? So he was a deliverer. He was wired to be a deliverer. But before he did that one big thing that we talk about, did you know he was kind of already operating it before? Because he had an opportunity to deliver shepherdess out of, out of the well or shepherdess, just got to save them. And it started with one, two, or three people. And, but because that was in him and ultimately led him to do the thing in Egypt where he led millions and millions of people out because he was wired. Passion is what drove him to do that. He had many opportunities to quit. I mean, think about it. When he was up in the mountain and he gets this word from God, he's got the two commandments and he sees all the people rebelling and worshiping a different God. The Bible says he threw the tablets and they broke. That's another quitting moment. But God still used him because he had passion to continue to deliver people. You look at King David. David had pa passion to shepherd people. He was a king leading people, but before that, he was leading sheep. He was shepherding sheep. That was wired in him. He had a God-given destination as well, too. Jesus, we just read it a little bit ago. Jesus had passion to continue to love people. And to continue to model how the church should live today. My question to you, church, is this. What's your passion? 
What gets you excited, in other words? Did you know the Bible calls passion and enthusiasm? He calls that, the word is zeal, that you have zeal for something. Maybe, maybe it's, it's children. When you think of kids, you get this thing in you and you get, you get excited about it. Maybe, maybe it's uh, you know, elderly, maybe in the nursing home. And every time you go there, it just it gets you fired up to be with them and to express. Maybe it's just being at your job and being an influence or blessing somebody financially or, or, or giving your time up to somebody or serving at a church. What is that passion that God's put in you? Because he wants you to run with that. He wants you to run with that and more. And he says, I'm going to give you the fire like no other if you would just Abide by what I want you to do because I want to take you places. And we need to not worry about those, those, the journey part of it. Remember the destination of where God wants to take us, but enjoy the journey as we go. You know, in Galatians, Paul says this in uh, chapter 6, verse 9. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up if we don't give up that is so impactful because again you have those opportunities but i need you to understand to operate in this thing to to say okay i'm going to do this and i'm not going to give up i want to give you a couple of requirements that are going to come with it that's going to help you in your journey you know, when I was traveling to Tulsa the very first time, I wish someone would have gave me a heads up on, hey, it's going to be about a 14-hour ride. Hey, there's going to be some tolls you have to pay at. Hey, you probably might run into construction. Because if I had that heads up, I would have been in a great place, in a better place. But reality is this. It wasn't. So it was frustrating. But through my experience, I was able to lead other people. Hey, there's a toll here, here, and here. Okay? There's going to be construction here. Check out this new app. It shows you exactly what's what. And that alone helped them so much. And here's the thing. You're going to need requirements when you continue this journey. And the first one is this. Your God-given destiny requires you to trust God. Look at your neighbor and say, trust God. Uh, in 2006, I had experienced this for the very first time. I'm a young believer in Jesus. I just accepted Jesus. And I, had, I was learning on what trust, what faith, all this stuff was about. But I was going to make a major, major move in my life. And that was moving from the city of Holland to the city of Tulsa on my own. Now, this is before I was married. And I remember the journey. I remember taking this journey of, of um, going out there. And I had no money. I had no job. I had, I had no place to stay over there. I was going just knowing God wanted me to go. And a friend encouraged me to go. And let me tell you something. When I took that journey, that was the first time I had to trust God. I remember the first night I got there that night. And that night, I remember sleeping on my friend's couch thinking geographically, where am I in the United States? Because I had no idea what county am I in. <laughs> what's the population? All these things were coming up. Then I was like, where's my mom? Like, I didn't know where, I was scared. I'm not kidding. I, I, I've never felt so lonely in my life. I had never felt that type of fear in my life. And all I could hear while I was sleeping or laying in, my, in, in the couch was this. Do you trust me? Do you trust me when Everything is foreign to you. 
when you don't even know where you're at? Do you trust me? And that night I had declared, I trust you, God. I trust you. And let me tell you something. From that moment forward, I had started having these encounters with God. And during those moments when I just didn't know what to do or what it looked like, and I would just say, God, but I trust you, he started showing me more of my destination as I was walking in my journey. Ultimately to the point where I'm still moving today and, and, and leading as many people to Jesus Christ. God has that same for you. But fear did everything it could to counter God's trust. Fear was nagging at me. But when I trust God, I spoke to that fear and said, no, I will not listen to that. And I will trust my God. In Psalms 33, 4, it says, for the word of the Lord holds true and we can trust everything he does. We can trust everything he does. There's just something about trusting your heavenly father that's going to get you from destination to destination. You look at the cross, for example. The cross when Jesus is there. Jesus said to his father before he took his last breath, he says, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. (laughs) I give you all of me. My spirit, it's yours. And when you look at that word entrust in the Greek, it's literally, it's paradithamai which translates back to English, deposit. So all that I have, God, I'm just going to give it to you. I'm going to deposit in you and your kingdom because you will bring a return back in my life. That's where we need to be at. We need to be at a trusting point to the, to the point where we understand that God is going to get us to the other side. The second thing is this, not just trust God. But number two, you need to discipline yourself. It's one of the requirements that you need to do to, to, to fulfill your God-given destiny is discipline yourself. A lot of times we fall into these traps. We're in these arenas and atmospheres in our life because we simply didn't discipline ourselves. And we ask, God, well, why, why am I in this? And it never was God. It was our decisions and the choices that we were making. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.27, he tells this to the church, he writes this to the church, and he writes this to us. He says, I don't know about you, okay? That means he made up his mind about something. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. That's encouragement. I am running hard uh, to this finish line. I'm giving everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out for myself. Paul made up his mind as he's writing to these people. He's saying, I don't know about you guys, but I'm running. I'm going to keep going. And I know there's obstacles. And I know I'm tired. And I know people are going against me. But God is telling me to keep moving forward. God is saying, press on. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to keep running. Are you coming or not? I don't care. I I don't care if my daughter was in the hospital. God wanted me here that day. So I'm going to run the race no matter if my emotions were flooding. And I wanted to go over there. And God delivered. When you have that enthusiasm, when you have that passion, when you trust God, and when you discipline yourself, God will show up in your race. Sometimes we just have this mentality. We have this mentality of of, um, we see God on the sideline cheering us on. No, God is 
in the race running with you. He's in the race running with you. He's giving you, he's hydrating you spiritually. He's telling you, let's go. He's carrying you in those moments when you can't do, okay, I'll take these steps for you. Let's keep going. God is in the race with you. All you need to do is discipline yourself. You need to take self-control over your decision-making. Take self-control over the, the direction that you're, that, and the actions that you give in on an everyday basis. And if there's a struggle in your life, anger or, 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 or just a self, self uh, what's the word, selfish or, or just not caring about others, work on that. Discipline yourself because God has given you a destination and he wants you to get there and experience all his benefits. Discipline yourself. And the last one is this. Sacrifice all of you. <laughs> Sacrifice all of you. That means your actions. That means your words. That means your thoughts. Colossians 3.17 says this. And whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Everything you do, your thoughts, your words, your actions, give it all to him and do it for the name of Christ. And when you do it for the name of Christ, he gets you to that next point. Romans 12, 1, I'll close it with this scripture. Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That means there are going to be moments where you're going to have to let things go to honor your God. It might be a relationship that's just hindering you. It might be certain uh, atmospheres that you put yourself in that you have to cut and leave away. Jesus teaches us, hey, if your eye causes you sin, gouge it out. If your hand causes you sin, cut it off. And a lot of people would say, what, what does he really mean there? Do I really have to do that? No, he's not saying this, that. He's saying this. If something is pulling you back from running your race that God has for you, sever it away from your life. If you're addicted to pornography and you can't stop looking at it on your phone or on your computer and it's just like something you just can't do, take discipline and control it, sacrifice and then get rid of it. Who, well, I don't have the latest and greatest phone. Who cares? Your life and your soul is more important than that, than any reputation. And God is saying, let it go. Well, it may, maybe it's a relationship that you're in and you're making some bad, not good decisions and you know it. But you can't help it, and you keep falling into it. And you put yourself in this arena, and you know you're dishonoring God that way. Sever it away. God's saying, sever it away then. If it's causing you to not live for me, then cut it away for your life. Because I have something big for you, bigger than you can possibly imagine. That's sacrificing all of me. That is sacrificing all of me. And let me tell you something. For my position, I love getting a little bit of my testimony. I, get, I, I have a lot of sleepless nights. And I say this with confidence and with joy. I have a lot of sleep, like sleepless nights where I'm up in the middle of the night for just a little bit. Because God is waking me up and saying, I need you to pray for this right now. 
I need you to cover your home right now. My wife and I, we are so in tune because sometimes you say, hey, I've been sensing something. I'm like, hey, I'm praying about that right now. I've been sensing the same thing too. And let me tell you something. It is a, the sacrifice of sleep. And let me tell you something. That's huge for me, okay? If I sacrifice and sleep, I love Jesus. That's why, okay? But if you're calling me or something like that, like, I, I, let's talk in the morning. <laughs> but it is during those moments when I sacrifice my sleep, okay, that God has an encounter with me and he reveals new things to me. And can I be honest with you? Even though I sacrifice that, God delivers rest in my life. He gives it to me. I don't know, I can't explain it. It's just there. It's there. Sort of like Abraham and Isaac, when you go into the, the book of Genesis towards the end. Abraham had a miracle happen, had a son. And Sarah, you know, birth, who couldn't give birth, birthed this son, and God was faithful in their life. But one day, one day, God looked at Abraham and said, Abraham, I need you to go to that mountain over there, and I need you to sacrifice your son. Put him on an altar, give him to me as a sacrifice. Man, I can't imagine as a father what he was wrestling. But he trusted God. <laughs> he disciplined himself. And he sacrificed what God wanted him to sacrifice. And the story goes, he gets to the mountain, and right when he's about to come down, God yells, an angel Lord comes out and says, stop, <laughs> I see your heart. I know you would do anything for me now. And because of that, he substituted his son for a ram, and his son with him, and we're good. What is that thing God is saying, sacrifice? Because whatever it is, he's going to restore you to a position better than what you think you have right now. Will you sacrifice all of you for him or to him? He wants all of you. He wants to have this encounter. He wants you to bring you from destination to destination. Let's go ahead and close our eyes and bow our head for a second. <clears throat> all of these things that I gave you of your God-given destiny and not giving up won't matter or won't take of effect until you say yes to Jesus. And before we leave today, I want to make sure everyone here in this room has that opportunity. If you haven't received Jesus in your heart, let me tell you something. And I'm not saying, oh, I, be I believe in a God and I go to church every day. No, having a living relationship with Jesus, saying, not my ways, your ways, God. I'm imperfect, but you alone uh, make me perfect because of who you are. If you don't have that, you're not in the race. And God's saying, I want you in the race. So with all eyes closed, I just simply want to lead you in a prayer where you can come into this race and journey with your Heavenly Father. So on the count of three, if you want that in your life or want to come back to that in your life, I want you to shoot your hand up boldly. One, I want Jesus. Two, I need Jesus. Three, shoot your hand up right now. Don't be afraid. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, and God bless you. The best, God bless you back there. The best decision you will ever make in your life. You can put your hands down now, guys. The best decision you will ever make in your life. Let me tell you something. It is a win-win for you. Win-win. <laughs> Church, we had 
few people raise their hands up in this room. They are joining the family of God. They are going to be our brothers and sisters of Christ. I need your help. Let's pray with them. Let's put one hand over your heart. And if you raise your hand, or maybe you wanted to raise your hand but did it, it's not too late. I just want you to repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. And I know you gave me your spirit. Father, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I receive your forgiveness. Jesus, you rule my life. You are Savior of my life. And I give you my ways exchange for yours. When I miss it, remind me about this moment. <laughs> when I think I don't get it, teach me to continue to trust you. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all shout out, amen and amen. Go ahead and give it up for those that made a decision.